Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal setting, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, you're back this week, and thank goodness, because doing solo episodes gives me chest pain. And as a future physical therapist, you got to screen for that. So how am I doing? <laughs> uh, chest pain, chest pain. Looks like you have tight piriform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it starts in my it starts in my left big toe, and the the kinetic chain links to my chest. Sorry, I, I, uh, Jamie, I mean, as a physical therapist, I cannot diagnose you have, uh, you have generalized weakness and range of motion deficits. <laughs> that is a fantastic, fantastic answer. And that's talking scope of practice in the state of Michigan with Jamie Phillips. Um, today, Jamie, you're back. Thank goodness. And I wanted to talk a little bit about why I think goalies can and should be the best penalty killer on their team. And that's an old adage. Like that's an old saying, goalies got to be the best penalty killer. Um, but goalies need to be better penalty killers. And so I wanted to talk today about some power play things, some trends we're starting to see uh, with how younger and older goalies are playing situations on power plays and some advice that we can give to goalies, to coaches, to everyone on how to be just a better, smarter goalie on the power play. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think it's good. I feel like this is, again, one of the, is it is it just me or is, do goalies have to be the best at everything all the time? Goalies need to be the best skaters on the team. Goalies need to somehow be the best puck handlers on their team. Need to be the best penalty killer. So you're just going to be goalies need to be the best like net front PP guys too. It's just yeah, it, it's it just never, like gradually it never ends. But I, I I agree, and I know we were talking before the show 
um, a little bit about, about the topic. And there's so many like different underlying things that we're going to get into that we've kind of like already talked about, but I feel like this goes like sometimes it just doesn't go, people just kind of like push it under the rug. Like they forget about yeah. these things and how important they are. Um, and then the first, the first thing I'm going to start off with before you get into a lot of more of your technical analysis is, uh, goal, goalies stop blaming your D for everything. And this is, I had, I had to have a couple personal talks with some goalies, um, this week and I hate having heart to heart. I don't hate having heart starts. It's just sometimes <laughs> I wish, sometimes I wish I didn't hate emotions. Sometimes I wish it didn't have to, but uh, like understanding that sometimes your team is not, you're not going to have a good team. Or sometimes your team's going to have a bad night. Yep. And sometimes your team's, your defensemen are going to turn it over. And, you know, sometimes they're going to try to block a shot and it's going to go off them and in the net. But the last thing you can do is you can't get mad at them because, like, goalies, you're the rock uh, of the team. You know, everyone, the emotions on the bench kind of get better influenced by the goalies. So if you're starting to lose it and you're getting frustrated, it's easy for the team to get derailed on the bench. And if you're staying calm and composed, the players will see that they stay calm and composed. And when it goes through like, like penalty kill, oftentimes you'll hear, well, we gave up like seven penalties. Yeah. It's hockey. Like, I don't know what you want. Like, what, what do you want? Like, did you, it's hockey. You have to kill it. It's part of your job to, to understand it and to know that we are going, you're going to have to have to learn how to kill penalties. And that's part of it. And that's a big role. And we as goalies need to step up. And us as goalie coaches, we need to step up for our goalies. And the especially as goalie coaches who are involved in team settings, we need to be highly involved in the power uh, the penalty kill. How do we break it down? What are we looking for? And like, how do we prepare our goalies in advance for um, for other teams' penalty, like power plays? And this is a lot easier when you're at like college and junior level when you get video and pre scout. Obviously, in minor hockey, you don't always have those opportunities, but it's just really important. And I want to preface that before we say anything like goalies if your team's giving up a lot of penalties or your defensemen aren't do, like getting their spots or giving up opportunities shorthanded just stop blaming them stop blaming them on the ice stop blaming them off the ice you don't have to blame yourself for the goals you let up but just understand that it is what it is and then look and see where can you improve and 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 go from there because it will be better for everyone yourself your mental health and the team's health, mental health and the way that they treat you if you're just kind and you're not yelling at your defenseman all the time. All right. Had to get, I, I just had that one up for the last week because I wasn't <laughs> on and I needed to get that up. But it was, it's actually like, you'd be surprised how many goalies, like I watch their film and like when I scout and they're like, just, I can tell, I can tell over video that they're yelling at their defenseman. And I'm like, if I can tell over the internet, that's not good. Yeah. That's a great start. I mean, one thing that I say a lot just to build off that chair before we start is that the uh, goals are going to happen, right? Good goals, bad goals, everything in between, um, right? Goals can be an entire team's fault, goalies including, and goals can just happen that are really good goals, right? Like sometimes teams just score a really nice goal and it's not really a defender's fault, not really a forward's fault, not really a goalie's fault. It's like, oh, that was just kind of a good goal, right? So, and you know, sometimes it's a complete offset. Sometimes it's all six people on the ice's fault, but you got nothing, nothing aware of Nothing drives me more crazy that like when we're watching video or something and then they'll be like, well, my defense, and like, it's always, it's always something. It's always something. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what you, what you want. Like, 
I, I tell us like always, like you can't, don't trust your defensemen or forwards to make the right thing. Yeah, exactly. You have to prepare for them to do the wrong thing and turn it over or to fumble yes. it or do all these things. And like, yes. like when you're making a pass to your defenseman, you have to make sure it's flat. You have to give them the most opportunity to succeed rather than them, them to make a, you don't want to force an error. And all the time it's always, well, my defenseman did this, my defenseman did that. And actually like, I have a video right here on my, my, my other screen that I've just been downloading for my breakdowns of my goalies. And it's a, it's a, it's a two, it's a two one oh, it's a two one oh. So like, <laughs> I can understand I, why someone would say like, well, where are my defensemen? I, I don't know. I can't answer that for you, but all I can help you with is what did you do leading up to this? Did you, did you see that your defensemen were behind the play? Like, let's just stop always blaming someone else for things. But okay. I digress. Welcome back to the pod, Jamie. Let's get to it. All right. <laughs> penalty. All right. Penalty kill. What do you got? So first things first, and you kind of alluded to it before, uh, for minor hockey goalies, um, it's it's harder to, to plan for another team's power play because you're not pre-scouting, you know, nearly as much that goes on in, in junior or university. But I think as a goalie, you should have a very good understanding of the major power play systems that teams run, right? If you are a goalie and you are, let's say, I'm going to throw an arbitrary age out, 14, mm-hmm. you should be able to walk me through an overload, an umbrella, and truthfully in this day and age, a one-three-one bumper system. And you should tell me what teams are trying to do. Because uh, realistically, teams are only, for the most part, using those three things. Uh, and a lot less bumper the younger you get. A lot more just overload, maybe an umbrella. Right? So, But that's the first thing is understanding that structure. Right. So if you don't understand where the major threats are in each of those systems and you can't identify uh, what system a team is in, that's step one. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to walk people through an umbrella. And like, again, this is not going to be very long, but again, umbrella setup is really, really, really simple. It's normally kind of three guys high with a floater on the weak side, two guys in front of the net, one guy can bump off to the side. Admittedly, teams don't really bump a guy off to the side very well in an umbrella, especially at younger ages. Uh, there's normally just people hanging out in front of the net or around the side of the net, right? Overload typically works off the half wall, interchanging with the winger on the wall down low and D up on the high end. And they're just most of the time they're trying to get an awkward shift at your, your PK, right? So understanding that those two systems are primarily what most teams run at almost all levels until you get to really upper level junior college and beyond that. Those systems are like very readable as a goalie, very, very, very readable. And you could be, you can be pretty easy to identify what's going on there, right? Umbrellas are typically looking for that shot from the, from either side being distributed from the top uh, and overloads typically working for a pass down low with a guy that walks out from that low spot to a backdoor pass or a quick jam. Like those are really the only plays that typically come out of those. So step one, understanding systems, Jamie's thoughts. I agree. And I, I alluded to it briefly earlier. Um, I personally am we talking to the microphone. Oh, sorry. I'm starting to drift away. Uh, you know, I don't know why it's, you know, what? it has been a week. I'm rusty, man. I don't, uh, I, don't know, I forgot how to talk. I forgot to speak. Uh, talking, I'm talking from Antarctica. Yeah. So I, I, I personally like, I'm, a, I've kind of been on this kick of like goalie coaches taking more ownership over what we do. Um, and I, and I definitely think, but I've seen it firsthand from myself and from others where we need to be involved in the in the pre-scout as well. 
And we need to, if we need to, we need to understand what is an overlap, what is a one three one, uh, what umbrella, like all all the power like overlap. Did I say overlap? Overload. Excuse me. I also think we need to understand what <laughs> Holy coach. is too. Uh, yes, we do. And so understanding the different structures, we just also need to like think about our goalie because we're the ones that are goalies. We're the ones that are with them day to day. And we talk about goalies being able to play into the strength of their team. And we also need to look at our goalies playing into their weaknesses of the penalty kill. Like if the head coach really wants to end up giving up like that back, that cross ice one timer on like a one, three, one, like where the bumper guy kind of like fakes pass, pulls the defense defender out of position, but our goalie is not a great skater. We have to like say like, Hey, there's a good chance, you know, our goalie is not going to be able to get across and be able to make that save. Or if they do, it's going to be like a low percentage. I would, it, I'd much prefer just to give up that straight shot because they're more yeah. confident making that save dead on than being able to make that pass through the seam or their patience isn't very good and they're not able to read that option or that fake pass. So that's something we really need to do. And then we also need to like explain why we're doing things with the goalies and be like, okay, we're playing so-and-so this weekend, ask them, what's their power play? If they say, I don't know, be like, how do you not know? We had about three video sessions on this. And then, so go back, <laughs> watch videos with it. And then what we do is I used to do this attack was I would kind of like taper into like the Monday school skate would be like just general warm up and stuff. And then we get more specific, more specific as the week goes on. And then finally at the end, it'd be like, what are the shots we're going to give up most of the time on the penalty kill? And I would just feed those shots again and again and again and again and be like, this is what you're going to see. This is the penalty kill. And like, you know, Mankato was like our, you know, our rival. They always found that seat. They did a really good job of it. So it's like, you know, we're going to get into like depth. We got to manage depth. We have to manage this, the options and all the things. And I think that did it. We did a really good job with that. Um, and so what, as goalie coaches, this is like our time to shine. Like we don't do a whole lot with breakouts or the neutral zone or anything like that. But when it comes to penalty kill, we can ship, we can talk and we can have a voice and we can influence everything because the head coach is probably the only time head coaches are going to listen to us. Um, still probably won't, but they probably, there's a good chance there's a good chance they might. Yeah. And so that's exactly where I was going to take the next conversation. So we've identified what power play the team, other team we're playing against is running, what their major, uh, what their major opportunities are going to be. And now we have to understand how we want to play those and, and what benefits your playing style and your team's playing style. So exactly where you went, right? The number one example, I'm just going to keep, I guess, parroting what you said is that teams are always looking for a cross seam pass, right? Whatever, whether it's an, an overload, a one, three, one or an umbrella, uh, we love a cross seam pass. Everyone knows that a pass that goes through the Royal road with a shot that's less than a second after it goes through that Royal road is a much better scoring chance than pretty much any straight shot you can ever get. Right. That's the, that's the statistic. Sorry. I, I know you all, I was like, are you going to disagree? I was like, that's the, that's the statistic. No, within that, that, I think it's under, under two seconds of a release following a pass across the bid line, uh, is like a pretty significant jump in goals. So makes sense. It's a lot of movement for the goal, but teams can build their penalty structure to take away that seam pass and in, in favor of forced shot. Right. Mm -hmm. And if we look at something like even like a, a one, three, one or a, um, or an umbrella that middle like that high pass to the to the one timer on the side should not be that much of a, of a challenge 
for a goalie, right? That's where we can start getting into a kind of a lateral release uh, where the goalie's at top of the crease and just kind of does this extended shuffle to the angle and you should be able to drive into a butterfly or make that save while moving. Uh, and that's one of the skills I wanted to talk about for goalies. Again, as we're getting older, one of the skills you need to have as part of reading the power play system that the team's playing is the ability to lateral release into saves. Um, I, I Jay had thoughts on using a lateral release. The last... I use lateral release basically almost every drill that I use it, that I see with. But the last like three weeks for me has just kind of been this like reverse window and lateral releases. It's kind of actually only thing I've been doing. Because I feel like I've been watching a lot of, I mean, like a lot of younger hockey and a lot of well, just, just hockey in general uh, in the, the very little free time uh, that I have. And that those seem to be the the most important movements that I can identify right now uh, that are coming into into play in zone. I'm not talking about rush stuff. I'm talking about in zone play. Yeah. There's something happens and that goalie, there's a pass that, that you can beat on your, should be able to beat on your feet, but that shot does occur fast, like, quicker than you might think so you have to be able to lateral release so that's a skill like a, it's a lot of my younger goalies have ha really been struggling on it and i think it's just a coordination thing so the cue that i've yeah big using, time the cue that i've been using is i want you to shuffle stop drop and i say it yeah. quickly i say shuffle stop drop and i want everything mm -hmm. to kind of work in tandem so as you're shuffling you have to stop with your lead leg but that's also the leg you're dropping with first so it's, it's yep. nah, no, so you, you sort of drop with the opposite leg first, but they come down almost at the same time. I always say it's like a, I always say it's like, as you're stopping, it's driving down. I, I use the exact same view. Yeah. I also use shuffle, stop, drop. So good for us for not talking about this, but getting on the, yeah, exact. that's actually pretty, yeah, we definitely didn't think of that. That's pretty cool. So we are, are we the best goalie coaches of all time? Um, so that's no. the cue <laughs> that, yeah, no, definitely not. But that's the cue that we, that I've been using. Um, and that I also find like that too, because if we, Think about a power play situation. Um, if there's a shot of that one timer, chances are it's, I mean, if they don't score, there's going to be some sort of rebound. And oftentimes that ends up behind the net. So you can merge that right into a reverse window. And now you're in a position where you are on, you, you've potentially made a save from a lateral release on your knees. Now that puck is behind the net. What do you do? And the, you are outnumbered in front. You're outnumbered. Actually, you'd probably be even four and four in front of the net. But you can now play that on your knees or on your feet. Now, what do you do? How do you manage this? And so how do you make that read? So a lot of, like, actually, I think the last two, yeah, three weeks, I've done similar drills with all my boys working on this exact thing. Um, and then when it comes to lateral release too, where a lot of goalies initially struggle is the long shuffle. The ability yeah. to long shuffle. So our whole lives, we're taught that shuffles are for small movements, and that is true. But you can... But now we're in a position where we have to be able to move a large distance without opening up our toe. Because if we open up our toe, we, we have to then close it, stop, and then drop, which is extra movement versus a shuffle into a save. So we go from like three, like four or five movements into two or three movements into a save, which buys us time. And so um, I skated with a couple of uh, like minor pro goalies on Friday and that ability to get that long shuffle is something that they're like, yeah, we never were, were taught this. And so when I do skating drills, long shuffles, long shuffles, long shuffles, long shuffles. Everyone yeah. can do short little onion shopping shuffles. I mean, you should be able to. Um, but when you get, when you get, you know, the older ages, your ability to be able to glide 
on like really on one foot and be balanced and be able to stop yourself is this as a skill that not enough goalies that I've come across have, or at least for my like for my biases and what I'd like to see in their skating ability. Joy like for a, a drill, like a warm up drill that really highlights this. It's, it's a drill you don't need, you don't need a net for it, maybe, but you just a little bit of combo skating, so like two little quick shuffles into a long shuffle or two little quick shuffles into a long T push, just like forcing a quick process of feet feet go, right, and forcing you to use both different movements. Uh, I like that one. It gets people thinking, and gets people identifying the difference between those movements without you know outright explaining these are two different things you just tell them to do it and they're like oh okay yeah right i find yeah. that actually kind of helpful especially for the young goalies okay so we've covered understanding the system we've covered understanding some skills like using a lateral release um like understanding that pox behind the net might be down to an rvh using that window through the net or maybe getting back to your feet um i think both you and i would say just to wrap that one up that if there's a puck, like a pin to puck battle, that's probably a good chance to get up to your feet. I know goalies are going to get up. Yes, get up. Any, get up. Yeah, yeah. Use that RVH window if there's still a dynamic play going on. But if your DE crashes behind that net to pin the player, the forward behind the net, just get up. That's a really good time to get up. Yeah, and this also, is a, a yeah. big plug. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I want you to plug somebody. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not you. Um, ah, nah, it's you. Uh, yeah, Jamie has some good content. Jamie has some good content. Uh, on behind the net stuff, RH getting up. But if you're looking for some NHL goalies who do this really well, uh, Joseph Wall, really, really good at going RVH, then up onto his feet when the puck is behind the net. Really, really good at it. Someone else who's actually sneaky good at it, but is just not having the best uh, team ever is Carter Hart does this really well. Doesn't sit in an RVH too long. So those are a couple goalie plugs for people who have really, really nice post-to-post coverage, uh, but also are, are pretty good to get back to their feet rather quickly. I agree. Um, I was. But I was. Good, I was going to say oh. just under, understanding when a re, like basic, basic rebound like recoveries. When do you sh- when do you have time oh. to get up? When do you stay down? And I think that again, that's another thing that a lot of a lot of goalies are confusing uh, are confused about. They don't know when they yep. get up. And I they ask me, and I go, I don't. And I look. Oftentimes, I look at them, and I'd be like, What do you mean? Is the puck dangerous? No. Hey, then get puck, up. It doesn't. Puck go far away. Yeah, but the thing is, like, well, I say it's like many word and few word. Like, I, you know, I was, uh, I was working on that, like, you know, the, the old zigzag entry into the RVH that everyone's talking yeah. about, and so it's just like, is the puck dangerous? No, okay, that doesn't matter. That's it. Like, it doesn't matter if the puck's not dangerous. It doesn't really matter because you can get up because you have time. If the puck's dangerous, then it matters. Then yeah, the zigzag technique isn't great because I'm just going to shoot it off your butt or the inside pad of the net or wrap it around. I talked about, sorry, I know we're, we're immediately going off topic here, but I, oh yeah, I'm just, this is just Jamie Rand. Uh, this just turns into Jamie's therapy, <laughs> Jamie's therapy, Jamie's therapy Sundays. Jamie's hockey. Yeah. Um, the amount of, I do a lot of, uh, when we're doing, when we're doing lessons, I do a lot of the post work. So if I'm at a session, uh, we've got a couple other coaches with me for one of our group lessons, for example, like I do a lot of the in type post stuff because that's truthfully how I played and, and what I study the most or how I've studied the most. And the amount of times on an in-tight drill, I'll get a rebound that goes just behind the goal line and I'll just score off a goalie who's taking a bad route into an RVH all the time. Right. I think that's something that's, and especially on the, so this might be more relevant on the power play than any other time because you're just, your team is outnumbered is understanding. So not planned here, but understanding when you need to just push into your post in a straight line, not caring about an RVH, or also we need to push in front of your post 
mm-hmm. despite it being potentially an RVH situation. I think yep. there is a lot of the times, and this is again, you and I are Jamie are very pro RVH. Like I don't think you can be a modern goalie coach without saying that like that is a safe selection that you need in your repertoire to be successful. You, you do it's like it's it's a non-argument. Like you need to use an RVH to be successful in today's hockey game or in today's game of hockey. So let's just keep that out there. But equally as important, a little scramble play where that puck pops out short side of the net, still above the goal line, that might need to be pushing into a butterfly overlap, mm-hmm. right? That might not be a default pattern into your post. And I think too many goalies default into their post because uh, it's safe because they're trained to do it, right? So I've been recently doing a lot of drills where I'm like, if you go into your post on this play, I'll score because I'm looking for the goalie to go into the post, right? So I am cheating the drill as the coach, but I'm trying to get goalies to think, okay, when is it safe to go into the post? And when do we need to just play that shot, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. This we could probably say, you know, honestly talk a whole episode on this, but a lot of this is for for me, like I, I getting a new crop of goalies. So it's a lot of like reprogramming the understanding or just like reprogramming, teaching the understanding of why you why we're doing things. I've I've really found that, and this is what this is what frustrates me. And I would hope what we as goalie coaches can do better is explaining the why. Like I'll have goalie, yeah. I'll have a goalie being like, I had a guy tell me like, hey, I'm I, he's he was wrapping his elbow around the post on he's opposite hand, so he's wrapping the, his elbow around the post on the glove side, and it was actually like, make one making him slow. And it was hindering his movement off the post. And I was, I just said, like, what, how come you wrap your elbow? He goes, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, my goalie coach said I have to. I said, what do you mean? Like, do you like it? <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, do you like it? He goes, no, I don't like it. I was like, so why are you doing it? He's like, I said I was told to. And then so then I spent the next 10 minutes explaining to him like the different pros and cons of a position like that. And I was like, you ultimately have to decide what works best for you here is why I'm not a fan of it. But if you think this is the way you play, it is most comfortable for you, then let's work around that and let's develop a system around that. So we as goalie coaches, like just telling kids to do things without explaining the why to do things, that I think probably is one of my biggest pet peeves. But like I'm getting a lot of goalies that are just like pushing into the post in the RBH. And I am, yeah. that rebound is kind of in line with the dots rather than in line with the goal line. Oh, And then I just shoot, you. Far, shoot far side and score. And then they go, what am I doing wrong? It's like, you're off your angle. Like, where are you pushing to? They're like, well, I'm supposed to go back to the post. And then we, then I got to bring out the lines and I got to bring out the marker and be like, this is where the net's available. And so it's a lot of, that's, it's a lot of understanding why we do things. And I think, and not enough goalies. Goalies, you need to ask questions about why you're doing things. Goalie coaches, we need to explain why we do things. Yeah, agreed. Jamie, I want to do what I think the plan is for us. That's what I want. I want to do one more big topic and then in, you know, I guess what's becoming a little bit of our fashion, a little bit of a rapid fire uh, end of end of episode notes. But I want to talk about one more big topic on the power play uh, or on the penalty kill, I should say, for goalies. And I want to do five on four and five on three. Oh. But the number one topic you knew this was coming was managing depth on the power, on the penalty kill. I love uh, it. So I'm going to give a little... Yeah, well, it's because, again, it's the one really big controllable aspect of goaltending that I think, uh, you know, we are a reactionary position. We are at the mercy of the game in front of us. But I think managing depth is one of the more proactive things that goalies can do. Uh, And I think that's really, really valuable to take some 
agency and some ownership of situations on stuff that you can control and depth is one of them where you dict you can dictate the play by how you're controlling your depth a little bit so yeah. first things first a little bit of a summary on a 514 uh it's unlikely that the other team is really pressing their d to the top of the circles so they're not really collapsing the zone which does happen on a 513 so little kind of rule of thumb you should on a 514 your depth should probably be a little bit slightly deeper than a 515 um, the reason for that is as more options increase, you need to basically give a little bit less credit to the shot because there's other situations that are likely to cross crease, backdoor, down low. So you need to be a little bit um, just closer to those options truthfully, and that's how you give up some depth. That becomes even more true on a five on three where the team, a good team on a five on three is collapsing the zone to the top of the circles. So now you have this very, very tight boxed window area that you have to try to fight through. Uh, and if you're playing with your toes in the white ice on a five on three, you're gonna you're just gonna get scored on. I'll just kind of say that right now. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, don't do that. Um, there's like there's lots of times where like there's very good times where like don't do things. That is one of the times don't do that. Yeah, just don't have your toes in the white ice on a five on three, please. If you're if you know what, if you're over the age of thirteen, hey, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're just trying to caveat that, right? I know, <laughs> um, I know. If there is the, if there is a chance for a direct seam pass to the bottom of the circle back door, you, you just need to be deeper. Uh, but the big thing for that is again, as that, as that depth is managed a little bit deeper, what that also allows you to do, and we talked about it kind of early to start the episode here, is that allows you to more comfortably lateral release around your crease, right? Um, because it's just less distance than if you were, say, out of your crease and trying to get to that same angle uh, with a pass. So 514, 513, depth needs to appropriately uh, be reduced, right? So I always say for 514, Jamie, you can tell me what you think here. 514, I say toes should be maybe like two, three inches below the, the red outline of the crease. I'm going to say using those pro creases, not ringette creases. Uh, for those who don't know the difference, ringette creases are the big half moon or the big uh, semicircle, and pro creases are kind of like the box with the little, you know, round part on the top. I'm not really having a better way of describing that, but they're very different. Uh, ringette creases have that excuse me, extra blue, blue line. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, 514 toes should be a couple inches inside the red. 513, it might even need to be a couple inches back behind that. But don't get this wrong. Do not play on your goal line on the power play. This is not a conversation to sit in the middle of your crease. It's just not being, you know, all the way up to the top. I'd say on a 513, if you're about a half foot below the top of your crease, you're probably fine to get around. Jamie, thoughts on my general guidance there? I think that's good general guidance. Typically, what I, that's what I, that kind of like verbiage I would use for like an older goalie. For like younger goalies or someone's new, I would say that the, the less players that you have on the ice, 514 versus 513 versus 515, you have to play slightly deeper. By about like two inches every like a player you lose probably back up about two inches because you're preparing yourself for more passes more passes are going to get through in a five on four more pat than, than a five on five and more passes are going to get through on a five on three than a five on four so you're just buying yourself some time and space to be able to get over and make the save on um on a pass so that's kind of that's how i would I explain it to my younger goalies um but yeah, no, no, you're right. And I think it's like, again, it, trying to, uh, having video helps because you can show goalies kind of the why and stuff. Um, it is hard if you tell someone for the first time, be like, hey, I want you to play slightly deeper. They think you're like, oh, I want to play like Lundquist. No, 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 no. 
I don't want you to be as aggressive as you normally are because X, Y, Z. Here is the reasons why we're doing this. And in, in depth is like we've talked, we've done an episode on depth before, but depth is always for whatever reason a controversial topic. Um, and we always say it's probably like the media and also like 1990s hockey still bleeding into modern day where you have to stand three feet outside your crease to make saves. Um, but this is not a thing anymore, right? Like really goalies, again, as we get older, we're better. Tracking should be one of your best skills. <laughs> and uh, again, giving it a little bit of depth up actually can allow you to be a bit of a better tracker sometimes too, right? Yeah. So that's something to consider as well, right? Um, if you watch again, watching NHL stuff five on three, goalies end up kind of middle crease a lot of the time, uh, unless there is like a very clear guy stepping to the shot and then goalies will be a little more aggressive and get closer to top. But I, I don't disagree with that. I think again, for younger goalies, I'm not encouraging you to be in the middle of your crease. That might be just too deep, honestly, if you're not fully grown, <laughs> uh, right. If you're four, if you're four foot seven, middle of the crease is probably not the world's best spot, even if it allows you to get around just because the nets are too big. Um, but it also means, you know, that still might be we want you at the top of the crease or a little bit just below top of the crease. But I don't want you in that. If you're four to seven, if you're four to seven, your limbs are also shorter, which means that you can't be super aggressive because if there's a backdoor pass, you still have to get to get there. So there's a lot of there's a lot Correct. of things. So ultimately, don't be four foot seven. Be six foot four. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We encourage goalies of all heights and sizes here at the Hydra podcast. <laughs> Oh, uh, there are so it's funny because there are times like especially when you do like RVH work and stuff. I'm like, you're not you're tall. There, there's going to be some holes, so we have to work around that. So you can either a adjust the way we're playing, or two be taller. And I can only control one of those. Just be bigger. <laughs> yeah, the height one. Just be bigger. Yeah, just be bigger. Uh, what do you got for rapid fire? Interesting that. Oh. I wasn't even done talking about managing depth here. Oh, you weren't. So All I'm right. gonna say the nice combination of managing. No, because the last thing I want to say about managing depth and what it really does by shrinking the distance you need to cover, it allows you to hold your feet longer. And that's one of the biggest skills on a power play that you can have as a goalie is not losing your feet. And that's what I wanted to talk about depth there. So one of the reasons we also want to give up some some depth is because you can, again, like I said, lateral release around, less need to take these big T pushes, more ability for you to quickly move, you know, transfer going left, right quicker ability getting set in your stance getting square on your angle and it all starts by you being able to beat pucks because you're able to just get to them faster and you're not giving up feet there's nothing worse and you see it all the time see in the nhl you saw it last night actually with connor hellebuck in the edmonton winnipeg game where there's a backdoor pass and again backdoor pass to leon dry so you're probably respecting that shot but he slides and dry one touch passes it right back to the high defenseman just one times at home and hellebuck never gets back because he loses feet and then has to push back uh, and that's an extreme example with, you know, the Edmonton Oilers power play. But watch a game. As soon as a goalie gets slidey on a power play, watch how quickly a team gets a chance. Because it's, oh, yeah. Oh, there's a pretty yeah. good correlation between there. I, I, right? the I, minute I, I do this all the time. I say, we're trying to get you to slide. I'm trying to, yeah. I say, wherever we do slide, like, my goal is I don't want you to slide. The other team's goal is trying to get you to slide as quick as possible. Yeah. Yeah, because the minute you slide back door, back high, just to the middle, anywhere really, you've committed, right? And it's, I don't care how good of a skater you are. You're done. Um, you're done. You're done. You're done. And this is, you know, this is going to be a quick shout out to, you know, Jamie and I are going to be very big proponents and big believers in maintaining your feet. Um, but this is, 
you know, good time in your practice when you're practicing to also be able to slide and regain your feet stance really quickly. Because if you're able to do that and catch edge uh, as you're sliding and transfer, you can get out of those situations. But if you're sliding early uh, and you don't have that ability to quickly pivot, quickly get up back to the middle, back across the crease, then now it's it's compounding, right? It's getting worse and worse and worse. So you should hold your feet as always you can. If you do slide, the next skill you need is the ability to quickly transfer, quickly regain your feet and get back to where you need to get to. Yes, it's just agree, Jamie. I agree with you, Ben. Uh, like always, I don't, we gotta find something we that disagree on, and then we need to just go back to like just go at it. Well, the chance is this rapid fire section. Let's get some. Let's just. This, I got a few off the cuff. Um, I got a few. I'm not, do you have? Do you have stuff, or do you want me to just fire them? Out no, I, I, I want you to just rapid fire at me. Okay. Number one, uh, every single time that that pass goes back door from the like let's say an umbrella so high guy to the side guy whether he's at the top of the circle or at the dot and a goalie slides into his post and angel loses his wings agreed agreed disagree agreed yeah that is one of my most frustrating things is lines to pucks on power plays uh don't slide to your post unless the puck is like below the bottom of the circle is that fair? yeah that's that's legit all the time all the time it's not even just power plays it's all the time bad lines <laughs> yeah bad lines yeah um Next thing, uh, if your team is on the penalty kill and the other team comes in and for whatever reason they decide to do that hard dump, please stay in your net. Don't don't try to stop that puck that's being rimmed around as hard as they can to the opposite side. Drives me crazy. You just miss my, almost every time. Mine is, it depends. My thing would be, you're probably, yes, you're, yes, you're going to miss it, but talk to your head coach. What what do they want? I would say talk to your coaches. Do they want yeah, you we'll to try and slow it down or do they want you to just let it go? I think that that is it for me. It's it's a depend. It it depends. You're probably not going to get it, especially when they rip it at the blue line. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. One of the oh blue, yeah, the okay, blue, yeah. Then blue line's going around. Yeah, just stay in your net. Yeah, it's it. I'm not saying that team's getting over the red line and dumping it because a team that's really not in the power play is probably losing hockey games anyway. It's the it's yeah. the play where you know your team chokes them off of the blue line and they do that intentional hard rim. Yeah, oh, I hate when goalies go and try and play it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sorry, bad distinction there. Um. Goalies, okay, next one. You lose a puck in a screen or a power play screen. This may just screens in general. Uh, just sit in your butterfly until you find it. Too many goalies start sliding around, trying to find, going crazy, getting up, going down, getting up. Going, just sit in a butterfly. If you go down, try to find the puck. Thoughts, go. Uh, agreed. Also, it's it's funny because I've had this exact conversation. Everything we talked about today, I we've had this conversation within the last two weeks with the goalies. Yes, if it's... Nice. If there is like a block shot or something and it's it's like below the hash marks where the puck is somewhere, you can't find it, but it's somewhere there, just stay on your knees, be calm, be patient, hands forward, be ready to move, but don't just get up or go push, 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 because that's when you give up goals. Yep. Agreed. Um, last one. This is uh, my, it's not even, it's not a hot take at all. Because um, you, you to be sticky all the time as a goalie, but the importance of eating pucks into your gut, into your hands on the power play, or when your team gets a clear shot and putting a puck out of play on a power play is such an underappreciated ability. Um, that's how you can be a really effective and helpful penalty killer. Stuff that hits you in the belly, whistle, hold it. Glove saves, don't punch that stuff out there. Stick saves, get that stuff in the mesh. That is a chance on a penalty killer. If you get a clean shot, 
pretty much any clean shot where there's a lane for and, the, and for whatever reason the team decides to shoot from distance that is your opportunity to get a whistle agreed i had this conversation uh friday with a goalie yes understanding that there is a time where we talk about like rebound control is like you know a symptom of positioning and tracking things around our chest things in our hands um like dumps in that are kind of around our feet from far out we can't control that and we should be able to 99 percent of the time be able to manage that because there is a huge benefit to be able to kill the play get fresh legs out kill the momentum and we need to understand this is a time where we need to get a whistle yeah and that's like and that's kind of where i wanted to end it it's like obviously throughout the entire game that you want to be making sure you're that's that's a given. This is not just a uniquely power play thing, but the importance of it or the significance of those rebounds off your chest, off your belly, off your glove hand, just get amplified on a power play because you just there's more space for the other team, right? So they just become there's less chance for your team to bail you out after that mm-hmm. little mistake. And again, a rebound off your gut is a mistake, but that should never come out. Uh, it's going to, but your approach should be I eat 100 of those, yeah, uh, even if even if you don't, right? Mm-hmm. So. Jamie, I let I have one more. Oh. I've I've I have one more. Right. Um, and it's that sorry, this one just it just came to my head because it's it's one of the things. If a team is shooting from an angle, so let's so outside of the middle of the ice mm-hmm. and there's a traffic in front, I, I say all the time, you can't slide as a goalie on this play, uh, because you open yourself up to tips. And people love to say, Oh, that goal was tipped, I had no chance on it. And then you slow the clip down and they've slid three feet out of their net. Yes. Right. The initial I, shot was going wide. The initial sorry. This is this is so fr- like all the things you're saying are things that I think about and are frustrating. <laughs> and then I just didn't think about it till now and now I'm frustrated. Uh yeah, again, it just goes down to like understanding the size of the net, um, how it changes depending on the angle and how little that you as a goalie have to move. And on tips, like if someone shoots it kind of I would say by your shin or your toe with your pad you don't need this massive slide to make that save maybe you need like a slight center shift but or you don't even need anything at all but if there's a tip option just know that the tip could occur so if you're sliding too far one way you see it all the time it gets tipped the other direction and the goalie's swimming but he could have been there one he could have made that initial save by just staying in the same spot yep. and two he would have made that tip save by just staying in the same spot so yes again that is something that needs that needs to be taught. You have to be taught that it has to be repeated, 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 and understand and make sure that there is understanding from the coaches and the goalies about why and also when the puck moves on the angle, we have the advantage as the goalies. When the puck's directly in the slot, that is the only time that like that's that's when we're at our, our most disadvantage. It's bad. It's bad news. Bad news bears. Yeah. And so to add that, yeah, that's that's for those direct tips, but on the same vein. If that defenseman or that forward is shooting a little bit wider than it intentionally for a forward who's looking for a, a midline tip or a side of the net tip, tip, conversely, you have to square up to the tip. And that's a huge mistake. I see goalies will slide without squaring up on that tip. And then it beats them under the arm or over the pad because they're just they're just sliding sideways essentially without squaring up to the tip. So that's a shot to the tip to the middle, middle of the net or a shot to the tip to the side of the net. You've got to square up. Agree. Okay. No, I agree. I agree on all these things. Um, any more hot Those tips? are hard. Tips are hard. 
Um, tips are hard. No, tips are hard, but like, I mean, my tip tips are stopping tips are hard, but your your preposition of tips, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah. I think like I said, I, I said it there, but I think goalies, I think goalies overplay tips. Um, like I said, I think like a high tip is a really hard play. Oh, so hard. But I think, yeah, tie tips suck, especially when it's like a hard slap pass and the guy just wraps it like post in. You're like, all right, nice play. Um, but I think those in tight tips, a lot of the time, while they're really impressive, uh, they're sometimes just misplays by goalies, right? Just not appreciating uh, where position needs to be. Like, that's just a mispositioning. It's not a goalie's fault, but there is room for improvement. Agreed. Agreed on all counts. All right. So that's, Jimmy, that's what I had. Um, I want to talk about again. Goalies have to be the best at everything, turns out. Just, we just have no excuses. Uh, just, just remember when you lose the game 2 1, it is a goalie's fault. And when you win the game 2 1, it is a team win. Just a brilliant team effort is what I always yes. say. Uh, that's what I firmly believe too. Um, it's always the goalie's fault. So let's continue with that. Uh, trauma breeds talent. Trauma breeds. And let's continually traumatize. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. I, I think there's a paper actually that's titled that, or, uh, but it's uh, anyways. We'll dive into that with another time. We get, we'll dive in. We'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get a psychologist on and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a live therapy session. You can see what's going on in the heads. Uh, but again, I hope some of this conversation at least, like again, gets people thinking about how they can be a better penalty killer, how they can play things more responsibly right at the end we are at the mercy of our own team as we always are on the penalty kill that gets even worse so what parts can we take control of right we can take control of our positioning we can take control of understanding what reads are going to be there based on how that other team's playing so there are some things in our goalies control and hopefully if you haven't been thinking about that you are now and if you do think about that you feel validated that your approach makes sense and that your approach uh, is is backed with a good a good amount of intent and purpose. Jamie, any final closing thoughts before I plug all of your stuff or do you want to plug your own stuff? Uh, no, I'll plug, I'll plug the stuff. Just thanks everyone for listening, watching. Uh, we are on YouTube. So thanks to everyone that comments on YouTube for the algorithm. I've been trying to respond to those. So thank you. One thing you can do is you could just put it on in the background and turn the volume down and just let it run. Let it run. Because <laughs> YouTube really cares about playback minutes. Uh, same as Spotify. They do, but yeah. Just press play and turn it down. Or maybe you're just working in the garden or shoveling snow and you just play it in the background. But in, in all seriousness, th thank you for, for listening, for, for watching, for supporting. Comment, like, share, all that stuff. Like, you know the drill. We don't have to keep saying it. Um, yeah. Bad. If you want more goaltending educational content as always i would recommend you checking out jamie phillips on instagram check him out on youtube and most importantly check him out and subscribe over at patreon where i said this last week in the solo episode that jamie did not listen to but i said that it is the best place for goaltending education content uh it gives you another voice to hear it gives you another perspective on goalie coaching whether you have your own goalie coach or whether you don't have one at all there's lots of information there and jamie does it for providing it for a pretty reasonable price of free over at YouTube and a couple bucks over at Patreon. So if you haven't checked that out and you want to learn more and get more cool information, I strongly encourage that. This is not a paid sponsorship game. doesn't pay me. Thank you. That was good. That was a good plug. Let's add it at that. <laughs> Jamie, until next time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.